You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me once again. I got a very special guest, Chris Pinto from Belly Up Sports. Chris, how's it going? Man, Man it's been really good today. Uh, cool outside, me and my dog went out, and uh, we just target for a little bit. So, can't complain about basketball right now. Playoffs for football, love and light. We got a lot to talk about today. So, first things first, as the NFL season, the regular season, has wrapped up, Derrick Henry became the eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards and also led the league with 17 touchdowns. With that being said, despite him not being a quarterback, should Derrick Henry be considered MVP over Aaron Rodgers, who is definitely going to actually win the award? Should he be considered? Sure, sure yeah. yeah. Like you like said, said, Aaron Rodgers, he's got it in the bag this year. Only eight players in NFL history are over that 2K mark. Derrick Henry has done it on three different levels of his career, over his life, I guess, high school, college, and now twice in the NFL. So Derrick Henry, always in consideration King Henry. Uh, this season alone, like you mentioned, the 17 leading touchdowns for the league. He averaged 24.2 touches a game and close to 1,900 yards just from scrimmage. Not only does he lead the league in yards after contact, but prior to contact as well. So Derrick Henry always in the mix, but... Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, man, playing, playing out of his mind with Devontae Adams. They, they, the defenses defense know what they're going to do, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams Adam still do it. Uh, uh, he's been doing he's it not only play calling, but also his wit as well, and just his football prowess. So Aaron Rodgers, MVP for sure. Well, a few things to that. Aaron Rodgers will win the award. I'm not going to try to argue that he's not going to win the award. But Derrick Henry actually should be uh, awarded the MVP award. Aaron Rodgers had a fantastic season, a huge bounce back season for him as well. We understand that last year was a down year to his standards. The Packers really gave him a slap in the face moving up in the draft, drafting quarterback Jordan Love, which I don't believe is going to have a bright future in this league. Aaron Rodgers had a statement to make saying, I'm still a top two quarterback in this league. And he delivered. He exceeded expectations. Led the league with 48 touchdowns. The best intercept, touchdown to interception ratio. 48 touchdowns versus 5 interceptions. Led the league in passer rating with 121. And led the league in QBR with 84. I get all of that. But what Derrick Henry did is just something that we are not used to seeing. And again, 8 players in NFL history have done this. Only 3, player, only three running backs have won the MVP award. If we ignore the position they play, and I'm not trying to argue a quarterback is more valuable than running back. Nobody's going to do that. If we ignore what position they play, Derrick Henry did his job a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers. Is it close? Sure. But what he, what the body of work that they did, I would say Derrick Henry was a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers. If we look at other sports like MLB or the NBA especially, the NBA MVP award does not go to who literally is the most valuable player. That would be LeBron James for over the past decade or so. You could see the same thing in Michael Jordan say. Michael Jordan would have 10 to 12 MVPs if you want to talk about who is the most valuable player to their team and to the league. Those two guys would rack up a lot of MVPs. But in this situation, it's usually who goes to who has the best season and best statistical season. That was Derrick Henry. Let's take a look at what he does. Defenses are game planning, knowing what's coming, knowing Derrick Henry is going to get the ball, and they can do nothing about it. Football is all about coaching, game plan, game scheme, and no. And when you could know the other plays, play calls, or the other team's play calls, I'm sorry, you have a huge competitive advantage. 
The Patriots were accused of cheating, and people try to say that that's the reason they were so successful, because Bill Belichick cheated and they knew the other team's play calls. Well, as fans, as other defenses, you know what the Titans are doing, and there is no way of stopping Derrick Henry. Teams send extra blitzers, they pack the box, they know he's getting the ball on certain situations, and they can do nothing about it. He leading the league in yards after contact, before contact. He's explosive. He's a bulldog. He's good on third and short. Everything you ask him, he does that and more. He's averaging 126 yards per game, which is something I don't believe a lot of people could do in Madden, even if you're a really good Madden player. With that being said, I also want to talk about the value that he's brought to that offense, what he's done for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is not as good as his numbers say. He's a mediocre quarterback at best, if we're going to be, if we're going to be realistic. He said, Ryan Tannehill's a veteran in this league, and he's really not accomplished that much. But all of a sudden, this year, he took a big jump. I don't believe that it's all of a sudden he got significantly better. I believe that running the ball through Derrick Henry and how effective he is and how defenses have to only game plan to stop him opens up that entire offense. It opens up the play action. It helps receivers separate, helps receivers get open, confuses defenses, helps Ryan Tannehill extend plays. That is value. I believe Ryan Tannehill is a product of Derrick Henry. So with that being said, that's why I have Derrick Henry as this league MVP, if I got a vote. I don't, unfortunately, but that would be my choice for league MVP. Yeah, they deserve that one, for sure. The Titans have been playing out of their mind, though. 17% more play calling than last year. And Ryan Tannehill is with that. Yeah, Derrick Henry definitely the focal point in that offense. Yeah, it's just what he's brought to that team. And it's not anything to take away from Aaron Rodgers. And especially that it's, I feel like Aaron Rodgers almost has the narrative behind him. Obviously, a quarterback's going to get this award, which he will get this award. He's a guy, again, like I addressed before, he was he got that he had a slap in the face that they moved up in the draft to get Jordan Love. So this year was a statement, a statement year saying, I still got it. I could be still one of the best quarterbacks in this league. So with that being said, if we really take a look at it and ignore what positions they play, I don't see why Derrick Henry shouldn't win this award. And if you, I don't know if you're a betting guy or any anyone who's watching, if you're a betting guy, Derrick Henry right now has the fourth highest betting odds. So with that being said, he was eliminated from MVP contention before the season started. And if you're going to ask me, that's absolutely ridiculous, and that's not fair. Patrick Mahomes is better MVP odds than him right now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, who's going to win it, it's a heavy favorite. And Josh Allen does as well. So with that being said, a guy who rushed for 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns can't even be is not being considered MVP. Obviously, he's a candidate, but he's not being considered MVP. Why do you think that is? You know, you know just like you said, the narrative behind the quarterback, um, possibly, possibly because, because people are looking at the statistical facts on this and looking at the, the Titans' offense. But, but to your point, how is Corey Davis going to be a top 25 guy without Derrick Henry? Right. That's kind of why I want to give Derrick Henry this award. And having only three running backs, if you want to look at I know Sean Alexander has an MVP award, or Danny mm -hmm. Thompson has an MVP award, and so does Adrian Peterson. Why do you think those guys were able to get the MVP award, but a guy like Derrick Henry can't. Do you think it's because Aaron Rodgers had such a statistical season with the narrative behind him of having a, a comeback season, which he's not going to win oh, comeback player of the year because he literally played all last year. And to, mo to most quarterback standards, that's a great season. That would probably be a career year for them. But Aaron Rodgers standards, that's a very high, that's a, that's a, that's low for his standards. Why do you think guys like Sean Alexander, Adrian Peterson, Ladini Thompson were able to win MVP? 
you know, you I know, think they were able to win just because, because, I guess, it's time. They didn't know anyone else with the narrative right there. Like, I mean, we saw, we saw it all throughout last season, through the offseason, through the draft, the whole debacle of that, the memes and the pictures and the back and forth between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. The other guys didn't really have that, and they were – very prolific running backs as well. Um, but, but I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on this one. We're going to take it over to the beginning. Aaron should be considered, but Aaron Rodgers is in it. What do you think is – what does this mean for Aaron Rodgers getting his third league MVP in his entire career? Does it – people try to compare compare him to Tom Brady, but that – but obviously the playoff success is not there. A third league MVP ties Tom Brady. From my From what I know, the only – the quarterback who has more MVPs than both of them is Peyton Manning with five. So what does a third league MVP this late in his career do for Aaron Rodgers' legacy? Oh, I think it's icing on the plate. I don't think he will really do anything else, even if he's second in the MVP, which he won't be. But I think it's solid, and he's a first ballot for sure. Well, let's switch gears a little bit, but stay on the Aaron Rodgers topic. Would anything short of a Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers be a stain on Aaron Rodgers' legacy? I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, right now, what, he's got four interceptions after 45 touchdown passes? That's that's incredible. Absolutely, Absolutely. incredible. I feel like it has, to, it has to be a stain on his legacy for a few reasons. Aaron Rodgers has been, is being compared to other great quarterbacks in NFL history. He's been compared to Tom Brady, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. He's regarded right now, I would say, in the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. So with yeah. that, if that, with that being said, Aaron Rodgers should have more playoff success. Is it all his fault? Are we going to try to make this a one-man show? Of course not. I'm not trying to do that whatsoever. But a quarterback of that talent, and this year they have the number one seed. They look like they're the most complete team in the NFC. I, I don't. They're definitely the favorite. There's a lot of teams that are struggling. The Washington, let's. I'm not even going to address that. Seven or nine, they don't belong in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay looks like they got hot, but Tom Brady's never made a Super Bowl without being without having a first round bye. The Seattle Seahawks have had a bunch of uh, defensive mishaps. Russell Wilson was the league MVP at one point this season. He he tanked a lot. Then then we have the Saints, who Drew Brees has been at, in and out of the lineup. I mean. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't deliver, and it looks like his team, they're good. There's no reason why they're they can't make the Super Bowl. So if he doesn't deliver and he is outplayed by another quarterback, how is this not a stain? Which honestly, this could be his last dance and his last opportunity to make a Super Bowl and get that second ring. A quarterback of that talent should have more playoff success than he does. Guys like Dan Marino, that's always going to be a stand on his legacy. People try to say Dan Marino is the most talented quarterback in NFL history before Patrick Mahomes arrived, even Aaron Rodgers. But Dan Marino's still in that conversation. But the fact that they got blown out by the 49ers in the one Super Bowl appearance that the Dolphins made, people still hold that against Dan Marino. So why would we not keep that same energy with an Aaron Rodgers? Who's arguably well, I just, I just I think, think that, that this Super Bowl will be Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers State Farm Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes should win this Super Bowl yet again, and I don't think that's going to be a stand on Aaron Rodgers' career, even if he comes short up against someone else. I just don't know that. As someone with the talent of Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning's another guy. Peyton Manning is regarded probably as the best regular season quarterback in NFL history. He holds a ton of records. Tom Brady eclipses him on some because of longevity. He has five MVP awards, which is the most in NFL history. 
But time after time again, the Colts slash the Broncos have had disappointing postseasons under his watch. Some of those cases were Peyton Manning's fault. Why with Aaron Rodgers is he getting a pass when, if we look since that one Super Bowl came in Super Bowl 45 against the Steelers, which he balled out, and they were a six-seed wildcard team, and people forget that. There's been times they've had the one seed, had bye weeks, looked like they had it all set in stone, and then they collapsed. I believe he only has five or six playoff wins since that Super Bowl. When Tom Brady, who's he being compared to, won about like three Super Bowls in that span. Is that not going to take a hit? Could we still put him in the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, even though he's slowing down or he's had another disappointing playoff run? Especially with this, with this caliber MVP season. He's the MVP of the league. Some may say the MVP is cursed, that when Lamar Jackson won it, that's why the Ravens had that disappointing postseason. The Chiefs, when Patrick Mahomes won it, the, um, who am I thinking of? The offsides, uh, Darren, um, why am I thinking, forgetting the linebacker's name was offsides. Tom Brady, when he won in 2017, they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It seems like the MVP is cursed. So Aaron Rodgers almost has a lot of pressure on him, given they're the number one seed. He should deliver. You don't think that this could really take a hit on his legacy, or we may not look back at this year, having this great of a, a regular season and then falling short in the postseason? You know, he makes a valid point right there. You're kind of convincing me more and more as we talk about this. Linebacker is D4 from Kansas City. Um, geez. I would still put him up on the Mount Rushmore, man. I don't think I'm going to get off of it. One of those things where you got to continue on it. I'm just I'm a big diehard Aaron Rodgers fan, man. I've been liking it. I've, I've been watching him for a while. Uh, obviously, you see my Texas A&M hat. Uh, I had to see him trouse us at the Pacific Holiday Bowl back in 2006 with Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson. So ever since that game, I've I've, I've kept my eye on Aaron Rodgers. I don't really like him. It's one of those guys like a right? Right. right. I, I mean, I in terms of what, what he brings to the table, in terms of his talent, in terms of the intangibles, he's probably has the best ball placement I've ever seen in the history of football. His, his historic play is probably his famous play. Not only those Hail Marys that he had against the Cardinals, had one against the Lions, but the one against the Cowboys will stick out forever in 2016. Rolls out left and throws a 35-yard dime on the sideline to basically win the game. A guy with that much talent, I feel like, should be more successful in the playoffs. That's just some – people could say Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady and more talented than him. With that being said, the only way people are going to recognize you as that great is to deliver in the postseason. Go against the odds. When, team, when you are doubted, deliver. Tom Brady's done it. Other great quarterbacks have delivered when they are doubted. I believe Aaron Rodgers – must get this done. And anything short of that, especially this year, has the best receiver in the league, if you're going to ask me, and Devontae Adams. A great running back in Aaron Jones. Their defense doesn't look half bad. So with that being said, I feel like Aaron Rodgers has everything for him going this year to deliver. And in terms of someone that great, I, I believe he need. I think he really needs another ring. As long as it's not the Packers losing in a shootout, he's giving it everything he has. I feel like there's been many postseasons where Rodgers, yeah, it's not necessarily his fault, but he could have been a little better. That's my, that's what I'm trying to get at. So with that with that being said, is there any team that could that you could see dethroning the Packers in the in the NFC? No, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's gonna be a KC Green Bay in the Super Bowl. If there would be one team to do it in my mind, it's it's gonna be the Bears as long as Monson is back healthy. Um the New York, or the Chicago Bears, one of five teams that only had 
two guys over or I guess tandem running back wide receiver over a thousand yards. Monty and A-Rob have been playing out of line. Cole from that as well. The volume's there for the kid. He hasn't really put it together yet, but you got to trust the process. The volume's going to be there. He's going to catch at least one or two touchdowns here in the playoffs. And you got to like the history between the Bears and the Packers. Uh, the rivalry's there. The history's there. The narrative's there. And this year, more than a lot that I've seen, Bears fans have been coming out in, 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 in droves, man. It's just crazy how many Bears fans are out there. So, you got to like that too. And with the, with the, with the year we're having with narratives flying all over the place in football, this is one that you got to like for. And then I guess if you ask me if there would be one team to do it, I guess it'd be the bears. Here, here's the thing with that. I understand a division rival, no matter what the circumstances, a division rival will always push, push your other division rivals. Even if it's a heavy underdog week, week 17, the bears got absolutely annihilated. They had, they had a shot and they missed that fourth one. And after that, Aaron Rodgers took over and absolutely annihilated them. I get all that, but if there's one team that's going into Lambeau and I think could really, dethrone Aaron Rodgers and those Green Bay Packers as a favorite. I don't really trust the Saints. The Saints have had three really, really bad postseasons. I understand those were not all Drew Brees' fault. The pass interference, the per, the Percy or Stefan Diggs of miracle in, in that that was ridiculous. But he got out he really got outdueled by Kirk Cousins last year. If we want to be honest, Drew Brees, you could say Drew Brees is the third best quarterback in that game behind Kirk Cousins and, and Taysom Hill, if you want to be honest. That was one of D Drew Brees' most disappointing seasons. And once you have that heartbreaking loss and that killer loss, it's really hard to ever bounce back. Few guys in the history of sports we've seen have had a meltdown and been able to bounce back. Usually I look at it like the Falcons, like Matt Ryan, the winning MVP, up 28-3 against the Patriots. Julio Jones makes that incredible catch. It's one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen. Then takes a 15-yard sack. And basically since that sack, Matt Ryan's career has went significantly downhill. Drew Brees is over the age of 40 right now going on the road, which the Saints, especially in the Drew Brees era, has always been a team that's dominated in the Superdome. And they don't have that this year if they're going to go to Lambeau Field. So that's why I can't trust the New Orleans Saints to do that. With that being said, there's one guy who's really, really, really hard to bet against, no matter how old he is, and that is Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Tom Brady, believe it or not, as people thought he was washed up last year with the Patriots when they had no weapons. Julian Edelman was banged up. That was supposed to be a security blanket. Nikhil Harry missed the first eight games and never really gelled in the offense when he came back. They didn't really have a running game. Their kicking game went to the toilet. The offensive line, David Andrews, got hurt before the season started. They really didn't have much offensively to work with. And people are really creating the narrative that Tom Brady was washed. This year in Tampa Bay, he had that really hot start. He was game managing. He had some of those. He turned back the clock a little bit, a few games. He had a stretch in the middle where I thought that this could be the end for Tom Brady. But wow, the past few weeks, Tom Brady looks like he turned back the clock. Believe it or not, Tom Brady has thrown for over 5,000 yards and 43 touchdowns at the age of 43. I totally understand that Brady has never made a Super Bowl without having a first-round bye. But if there's one team who's hot right now, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who their defenses has at one point been a top-three defense in the league, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are studs on the outside. Gronk looks like he's turning back the clock a little bit. If there's one team I would have to put my money on who I don't like betting a lot against, would it be Tom Brady and those Buccaneers? What are your thoughts on that? 
Man, I love Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. At the beginning of the season, I went on a rant on our podcast. Uh, no hosting, hosting Super Bowl team has ever made it to the Super Bowl. This year, the Buccaneers will host the Super Bowl. Wouldn't it be something for Tom Brady, first year of the Belichick, make some more history, make the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with Gronk? With the with ice, ice on top. One guy that I really like that coming in a little hard. AB, right? Tom's been targeting him. Mike Evans might not be here for the rest of the season. So AB is a guy who predominantly has been a top six, seven wide receiver in the league when he's played. Let's see what can happen with him and Brady in the postseason, man. Uh, right now, his offensive line is really good too, keeping him clean for about 73%. And Brady, without that arm strength, He's completing almost 42% of deep bombs. So you got to like that over the 30-yard marker. And Gronk, man, I think that Gronk and Brady are going to have uh, some fun. So speak, so stay on the Tom Brady track. Does Tom Brady have one more Super Bowl run in him? What do you think? I think, I think so. so. If it's, it's not this year, his contract is two more years. So So I think that if it's not this year, I think he comes back one more time uh, and gives it one more go. But I think he's got a Super Bowl run in him for sure. I think this has to be his last hurrah. The father time is undefeated. We've seen the NBA. LeBron James is kind of defeating those odds, being the best player in the league at year 18. Tom Brady really looks like he's doing that right now. Sure, he's had stretches during the season where he's looked god-awful. The scary thing about the Bucs, or Tom Brady rather, why I would have any doubts. Number one, like I addressed before, that they don't have a first-round bye. They don't have home field advantage. So you're asking them to win three straight road playoff games, which in Tom Brady's career, they don't play wild-card games. And not even that, they always win the division. So you're guaranteed at least one home playoff game. When they don't have a when they don't have a first round bye, they have never made a Super Bowl. But with that being said, I believe Tom Brady has something to prove this year. The same a similar situation to Aaron Rodgers, not identical, but I think there's some similarities. People have tried to claim he's washed, he should just call it a career. People have been trying to say this guy is washed for about four years now because they think, oh, history repeats itself. Other quarterbacks only lasted this long. So then Tom Brady's gotta gotta fall down eventually, right? But a guy who's a pocket passer, he's not very mobile, he's not getting hit a lot, that's why he's able to prolong his career so much. That's why I still feel like Tom Brady's still got a little bit left in the tank. This year would be a great opportunity to do that. And maybe his last hurrah. Sure, it would have been great to win the division over the New Orleans Saints. I predicted really early in the year that the Bucs would make the Super Bowl because I thought they were going to win the division. But after they got absolutely annihilated at home against the Saints and Drew Brees absolutely annihilated him, the Bucs got absolutely destroyed that game. I said this is going to be tough. History repeats itself. Brady's never made a Super Bowl without that first round bye. But they had a really uh, tough stretch in the middle of this season. I always said before the season, I said November, December is when Tom Brady and the Bucs are going to hit their stride. November, he looked like literally a bottom three quarterback. In the first two months of the season, I could have said Tom Brady's a top five MVP candidate. But once he hit November, when I thought they were going to hit their stride, is when they hit their decline. But the last few weeks, they really picked it up. They're healthy. They look good. Bruce Arians, an offensive savant. 
This would be an opportunity because I believe the NFC is wide open. I don't think there's a clear favorite. I don't know how much I trust the Packers because they've had disappointing postseasons time and time again. I definitely don't trust the Saints. I definitely don't trust the Seahawks with their bad defense. And Russell Wilson, towards the end of the year, hasn't looked like that MVP caliber player. Anything with the NFC least I don't trust. Any team with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, I certainly don't trust. So with that being said, this may be Tom Brady's last hurrah to get that ring number seven and put him in a very special class, literally by himself, surpassing Michael Jordan in terms of rings. If Tom Brady could do that this late in his career, this would be one of the most historic, iconic Super Bowl runs in the history of sports, if you're going to ask me. I would agree. Yeah, it's 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 tough it's tough to look at from the Bucks perspective how much they would have to deal with and how much of an uphill battle that is. No, it's never easy to go into three straight games on the road and deliver. But there's just no other team that there is to trust. You really do you think there's what team do you think that could really dethrone the Bucks? Is there any team that you think could really dethrone them, or is it? them in Green Bay, or do you believe the Seahawks could be alive? What are your thoughts on that? You know, in the NFC, NFC, if it's, it's not the Green Bay Packers, it's the Bears, Bears for me. I think those three teams are in a shuffle with Green Bay and, again, the Buccaneers uh, for the But I think we've seen the blueprint to be great quarterbacks off the field, and they can do it that once the Bears really, really Averaging that third guard and controlling the clock for the uh, Bears. Yeah, Mr. Trubisky, you got to believe a little bit in him, but his weapons are phenomenal around him. So uh, the only team I could consider throwing a name in would be the Bears. So what do you think would be any consideration if Mitch is having a bad game? He gets he gets pulled because we he's I I, I really regard him as a bust, a guy moving up in the draft. To surpass not only Patrick Mahomes, who's the greatest quarterback in the game, they've also passed on with Deshaun Watson, the national championship, who was that was one of the greatest performances I've seen in college football, at least in my time, against Alabama, who was the clear and heavy favorites. So does Mitch Trubisky have any pressure on him to pull up pull off an upset, really beat a top seed like your division rival, the Bears, if, if that's if that's the case, to really keep his job, especially in the NFL, after he's had a really poor start to his career. Trubisky's very tough to I mean, he puts his shoes on and almost with Boston to make sure his shoelaces are in the high direction. So, uh, yeah, I mean, his job is definitely on the line. I mean, they brought in Nick Foles, and there was a quarterback competition. So there's always pressure for him. Do, do do you believe that Nick Foles would you could ever see Nick Foles come come back come back in these playoffs and maybe maybe pull off another another miracle? It seems like he can only do it with Philly. <laughs> could could you see that happening with the Bears? Sure. That, I mean, I mean, pass, so. Why not? That that would be pretty wild. But to switch gears a little bit, I want to talk about which NFC team should be on upset alert this weekend. So, so the NFC teams that I think are on a defense would be the Rams. Uh, they're a If anyone's going to do it, the Rams, I mean, obviously, they're a guy hurt. And running back situation for McVay is not very good right now. 
Yeah, yeah wrestling down, down for the, the Seahawks. Seahawks. But the Se- the Seahawks are the favorites. Seahawks are four and a half point favorites. I got my question. Yeah, my question. Minus minus yeah the Seahawks minus four. My, minus obviously means favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I got a minus right there. there. Yeah. So, weird, weird. so Seahawks are four and a half point favorites over the Rams. The Bucks are eight and a half point favorites against Washington. And then the Saints are ten point favorites against the Bears. Any of those teams on upset alert or should are the favorites gonna coast through? Uh like I mentioned earlier, I don't have a favorite the Bears, man. Uh I'm buying what they're putting down. They're all clicking right now playing out there and Mac and that defense is just I don't think this. Yeah, obviously you got Alvin Kamara, who is God on the football field, but that defense is something different. I would say no way, no how are the are the Saints, if anything, going to be on upset alert. When the Saints are at home, no matter what year it is, it's very hard to bet against them. Listen, when they go on the road against anybody, all bets are off. We've seen numerous times where the Saints will finish about eleven and five. They'll go eight no eight no at home, and then they go three and five on the road. When the Saints are vulnerable, no matter what team it is, that's when they're really vulnerable. But at home, the Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara combination is ridiculous. Michael Thomas has been basically hurt, just about in and out of the lineup all year. I picked him in the first round in fantasy football, unfortunately. That didn't age too well after he had a historic season last year. But if Michael Thomas could get back to that self, if he could if he could be healthy, and Alvin Kamara coming back in that backfield, the Saints should really roll through them. A guy like Drew Brees will never get outdueled by Mitch Trubisky. I understand how disappointing of a postseason they had last year. Again, I will not pick the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. But against a team like the Bears who don't have any explosion on the offensive side at the quarterback position, if the Saints get up early in that game, it's basically a wrap. Because the Bears don't have enough firepower. David Montgomery, a great running back, sure. I will give you that. The Bears have some weapons on the outside. They snuck into the playoffs this year in a wild card spot. A lot of people probably forgot that they even made it there. But to come into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and upset them, that is going to be really hard for me to understand. We'll just have to see Allen Robinson the second half to say about that. Wide receiver number seven on the year. Over his house, he's hungry. If I were going to take a team to be on upset alert, I would have to say the Seattle Seahawks. Right before the Rams played the Jets, I was on boat saying that the Rams should probably be the favorites to come out of the NFC. I said that I just don't, I just can't, I just, my gut tells me we're not going to get a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl. I don't believe that. I don't believe, I just believe that there's something with the Packers that they have a disappointing postseason every single year. And every year the Packers make it. Something happens where they don't. People thought we were getting a Mahomes-Rodgers Super Bowl this year. Trust me, that's what I'm rooting for. I want to see a, a Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl. That would be the best thing we could possibly that could possibly happen as football fans. As brutal of a season this was, having all that time away from sports, a way to make it up from us. Again, in the NBA, we didn't even get the Battle of L.A. that we wanted. A way we can make it up a little bit to start 2021 with a, a great start would be a Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl. Something tells me along the way the Packers will get dis- disappointed. Maybe in the NFC Championship game. Those years the Packers look like they're going to get out of the NFC, they end up always getting disappointed in the NFC Championship game. So with that being said, I have to go with the Los Angeles Rams. The Seattle Seahawks. They've had a bottom-tier defense basically throughout the entire season. I'm a big believer 
and especially in the NFL, and I'll say this in, in baseball as well, defense wins championships. If you have a good defense, you will always be in every game and you always have a fighter's chance. The Seahawks were for a while were the 32nd ranked defense. When Russell Wilson was making his MVP campaign, the Seattle Seahawks had the literally the number one worst defense in the league. Sure, they this the their defense kicked it up. Wilson has taken his tick down. He's made a few interceptions. He I understand he has that great duo with DK Metcalf. Chris Carson looks really good. But if there's a team that could be on upset alert, it would have to be the Seattle Seahawks. A division rival is always a matchup that you can never count out the underdog, no matter what them circumstances. And a four and a half point spread is not that much. And we know how Vegas makes their money. When the public is heavy on one side, the public gets absolutely crushed. And this may be that opportunity that that happens. The Rams have had a top defense basically throughout the entire year. When you are entering the postseason, it's all about who has momentum and who is hot. Sure, the Rams had that brutal loss against the Jets, which definitely took them a step back. But mentally, I feel like Sean McVay can have them in a new mentality. I feel like this could be our opportunity. Go into Seattle, go against a top quarterback in the league, and dethrone them. If their defense plays well, if Aaron Donald could put pressure on Russell, um, Russell Wilson, Jalen Ramsey has a really tough matchup, which he performed very well when they met against DK, Mef DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, sure, is a top three receiver in the league, but that was his worst performance against Jalen Ramsey. So with that being said, if Jared Goff could take care of the football, put up some points, and the defense plays to what they're capable of doing, I could definitely see the Rams coming away with the victory. Yeah, the one thing I will agree with you about is defense does win championships. You gotta go with that mind, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Pete Carroll, defensive mind, obviously. Over the last year, brother, the Seattle Seahawks have been the number one defense against the quarterback, the number four defense against running backs, the number six defense against wide receivers. And if you want to trust your I guess championship or money on Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. They are the tight. They are they're 18th against the tight end over the last four weeks. This defense has turned it up a notch, and they're 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 looking to win. So I don't think the Rams have a chance in this game. I'll never count on a division rival. And again, the Seahawks should be the favorite, but I just can't say that the Rams don't have any chance. But if we want to talk about how the Bears can have a chance against the Saints on the road. That's a tough one given their quarterback gives you little to no production against the Saints team who is getting Drew Brees back, who when he's in the lineup, they're one of the top teams in the NFL. When the Saints have home field advantage, they're a tough team to bet against. That's where I like them at their best. It's when they're on the road, that's where I have a lot of doubts, and just their last three postseasons have absolutely destroyed them. But if they lose again in the wild card round at home against a much superior, uh, a worse quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, Drew Brees' championship days of even thinking about that, you could be you could basically put that to bed. His well, maybe now you can pull it together over the last week as well. The Saints have been the number sixteen defense against quarterbacks, the number seventeen defense against running backs, and the number eighteen defense against the tight end, who I mentioned, Cole Komet earlier. Got to trust the process against the wide receivers, who they have been really good at the beginning of the year. They're actually giving up 40 points per game to the wide receiver position at the 22nd overall. So the Saints defense, not so hot. Yeah, they're playing at home, and yeah, Drew Brees is going to be bringing it. But like you mentioned earlier, man, defenses win championships. And if Drew Brees ain't on the field and David Montgomery, Allen Robinson is killing the clock, sorry for the Saints defense.
Is there any way that we see an upset between Tampa Bay and Washington? No way, no how? No, no. Listen, would I ever – I'm not picking the Washington whatsoever. I think they could absolutely make this a close game. I love how Chase Young called out Tom Brady and says, I want Tom Brady, I want Tom Brady. Love the energy. Washington is not a bad team with Alex Smith under center. Where they really lost a step is is when uh, Dwayne Haskins was under center. Dwayne Haskins was probably literally the worst quarterback in the NFL, next to Cam Newton, if you're going to ask me. <laughs> when Dwayne Haskins was the Washington's quarterback, they were like the worst team in the NFL. That Washington has a really good front seven. Their defense has really stepped up, and if they could put pressure on Brady, that's where Brady is a little bit liable, is when you put pressure on him. If you could, if you could put pressure on him, he's not going to be the same quarterback as when he has time in that pocket. Because you have time, if, if Brady has time in the pocket, it's it's a wrap. That, that's where he's going to absolutely pick apart, dissect defenses, and he's going to eat you alive. He's been really good when he when he pick when he picks up when he picks up a blitz. Then again, that's where he could be really effective. But when there's pressure on him and he does not have a lot of time to throw the football, that is their best opportunity and probably their only way. And the Tampa Bay defense, they were a top defense throughout throughout the year. And then they started to fade. As as Brady started to play worse, so did the Buccaneers defense. So if the if Washington wants to make this close, I feel you gotta put pressure on Brady. And Alex Smith's got to be that quarterback that we've seen in the beginning, uh, That at, at least when he's been under center. That would be their best opportunity. But would I pick them? Probably. I, I can't see that happening. I agree. I agree. So to switch gears to the AFC, what AFC team should be on upset alert? The Buffalo Bills are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Colts. The Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Titans. And the Steelers are five point favorites against the Browns. I think, I think all these games, games have a chance for the underdog to win all of them. I mean, first the Colts, Jonathan Taylor touchdown is what I call him. He's been playing like right now. Uh, I just, I'm a big fan in the, in the postseason to just run the rock. And that's what Eric Henry is going to do. That's, that's what, what the Ravens, Ravens are going to try to do. So that game is going to be really interesting. So I think that's obviously an upset alert there for sure. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Browns. Wow, and the Browns are they got plus six. So they got it. This this is the thing. Sure, every team can be on upset alert. The Colts and the Bills game. This is going to be very hard for me to bet against the Buffalo Bills, even though matchup-wise, it feels like. The Colts got a top defense in the league. Phil Rivers is playing well. Jonathan Taylor, who was a monster at Wisconsin, is really coming into himself. I could see him being a similar running back to Nick Chubb in a couple years. I think I, I really believe Jonathan Taylor Taylor has that much talent, especially what we've seen in Wisconsin. He was a security blanket and basically a cheat code for them. He was a security blanket for Jack Cohen, quarterback Jack Cohen at Wisconsin, and certainly for that team. He's really stepped up his game and really had a monster rookie season for being a second-round pick as a running back. With that being said, I'm a huge believer in momentum and in the sport of football and especially baseball and even hockey. The hot team is a team that is dangerous in the postseason. A top seed limping into the playoffs or they're struggling the last four or five games, that's a team that's really going to be on upset alert. The Bills have been way too hot to bet against. Finishing this season 13-3, I don't believe that the Bills have finished anywhere near that record since probably like the bubonic 
plague pande- pandemic in like 1400 BC or whenever the hell that was. So to bet against Josh Allen is having an MVP caliber season. I believe they won eight of their last nine games in that one loss being the DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Johnson 2.0, Hail Mary miracle to end the game, if you want to say that. And then with their running game, Stephon Diggs has been probably the best, one of the top three five to five receivers in the NFL. Leads the league in catches, leads the league in yards as well. He's been a security blanket, and people are trying to make the claim that Josh Allen is a is a product of Stephon Diggs. I think I think the Bills acquiring Stephon Diggs has been the best move of this all this offseason. I would definitely say that 110%. With that being said, the momentum the Bills have how much they have going for them, how well Josh Allen is playing, how deadly of a threat Stephon Dix is playing. The running game has been really good as a team collectively. Josh Allen's so versatile. It's going to be tough for Phil Rivers, who's had nothing but playoff failures throughout his career. Even when he's been expected to deliver, he's never came up clutch or came up big. It's hard for me to believe that this Colts team can upset the Bills. So with that being said, the Titans and the Ravens. The thing with this is I'm very familiar with betting and betting odds and who where the public is going to go heavy. I have no idea why that the Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites because I don't believe that should be true whatsoever. With that being said, I think that the Ravens are – I wouldn't pick the Ravens. I said the all year the Ravens won't win a playoff game. I said that before the season started. But Vegas knows – a wise man once said Vegas knows things that we don't know. I can't put any math together, any logic together, why the Baltimore Ravens are the favorite. You got Derrick Henry, who I already addressed early in the show, that Derrick Henry should be league MVP. Ryan Tannehill is having an unbelievable season. We know what happened last year in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, I don't believe, is built for the postseason. Once the Ravens are down early in games, they're, it's basically a wash. They have no fighter's chance because you can't trust Lamar Jackson to throw you back into games. The Ravens win games is when they get ahead, rushing the football, play great defense, and once they're ahead, they're a very tough team to come against because Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson could play to his strength, which is running the football, being athletic, extending plays. That's where the Ravens are at their best. The reason why I believe the Titans are underdogs in this game is because of their defense. Their offense has been unbelievable. One of the best offenses, one of the best five offenses in the league. Like I said before, you have your MVP power player in Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill having a career year, who I believe, yes, is a product of Derrick Henry. You got A.J. Brown, who's among a great receiver in this league. Offensively, they're one of the best teams in the league. But I believe that defense, which I already addressed, defenses win championships. So I could definitely see that the Ravens actually come away with this game and then Lamar Jackson gets the monkey off his back for never winning a, a, a playoff game. So that could be the reason why the Ravens are favorites. But I will say now, and I will probably be right, with this line, the Titans are going to get hammered by the public. The public will be all over Titans' money line or even taking that spread in plus three and a half. This is where Vegas makes their money. Because once you look at a line, for any betters out there, I'm going to give you really good advice. Once you When you look at a line and something is a little sketchier, it be like, why is this happening? There's a reason for that. Vegas knows things we don't know. And that could be the reason why that they are favorites. So with that being said, if I were to take any team to upset, it would be the Cleveland Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers for a few reasons. The Browns are literally and figuratively the wild card team in these playoffs. And let me expand. They're literally the wild card team because they literally have a wild card spot. And figuratively, they are a wild card team because I don't believe anybody knows what to expect from them. 
They are so talented on the offensive side of the ball. Jarvis Landry is a great receiver. Austin Hooper has proven to be a really good tight end. They have a great offensive line and the best running back duo in the league by a wide margin. And I don't think it's particularly close. Nick Chubb over 1,000 yards, even though he only played 12 games. Probably the second best running back in the league, if you're going to ask me. Kareem Hunt was over 800 yards this year as a second running back, which is just ridiculous. And then Baker Mayfield has been super inconsistent all year. Sometimes he looks like a top quarterback in the league, and other times he looks awful. Yes, I've accused Baker Mayfield of being a bust because I believe a number one overall pick has a certain standards that they should reach to. I believe in your number one overall pick. You should be in the MVP conversation three years into the league. Yes, three years into the league with this much talent around him. I don't remember any quarterback who's been a uh, number one overall pick or even just a top five or top ten pick entering the league with this much talent. He has too much talent for them to deliver, to not to deliver. With that being said, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why I don't like them at all. And yes, I, I, you know, what? I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns to win this game. And here's why: Ben Roethlisberger. He looks like the Statue of Liberty in the pocket. I don't think the Tin Man. I think the Tin Man is literally more mobile than him in the pocket. If you're going to ask me, he does not move and he is completely stationary. Their running game went to the toilet. They have the worst rushing attack in the league. James Conner is not who we think he is. He's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not Jerome Bettis. This Pittsburgh Steelers running game completely went to, in the toilet bowl, and they don't have any rushing attack. So it's basically asking and putting more responsibility on Big Ben, which this late in his career, the more responsibility you ask for him and the more you expect from him, the worse he's going to perform. So I have absolutely no reason to believe that the Steelers' offense is going to do anything great, especially with Juju Smith-Schuster really worried about TikToks, which he is a great TikTok dancer. I'll give him that. And on the, and on the defensive side of the ball, their secondary has shown a lot of problems, and they're very injured on the linebacker position. So with that being said, I will. I think the Steelers are the biggest team on upset alert, and I will actually pick the Cleveland Browns to win their first playoff game in literally like 1,400 B.C. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree. That's why I like Browns. I mean, you nailed it on the head with the dynamic duo between Chubb and Hunt. Both these guys are over 1,100 yards total. Averaging 15 yards, significant touches a game, even Chubb not playing the entire season. Offensive line is coming out now as well. And it's an offense that's just lighting it up and making really, really happy. You get him in the fifth or sixth round, and he got back to Big Chubb, 25 points. You got to love it. Yeah, go Brown. Yeah, I would I would have to say the Cleveland Browns. It looks like. I mean, people are people are going to – where if you want to talk about betting odds and stuff, it's going to look like the Titans are going to have the most money on them in terms of pulling upset off. It looks like it's the most value. If you look football – if you look football-wise and logically, it'd be like, how the hell are the Titans not going to win? I mean, the Ra- – I mean, Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens, like offensively, you can't trust him and you can't trust that offense. I think the main reason why is because the Titans' defense is so poor and the Ravens have one of the best defenses in the league. So with that being said, game planning for Derrick Henry, even though the Ravens will probably game plan to stop him, they'll probably do a very poor job of it. But if the Ravens could put up points early and get ahead early, that will be the the what that that's the Ravens' path to victory in this game. Because then you have to if you're gonna try to put the ball in Ryan Tannell's hands and throw the ball through and you can't run your offense through Derrick Henry, that's where I think the Titans could be really vulnerable. And ultimately why I'm gonna think that the Ravens can win this game. It's it's hard for me to think logically, but 
looking at that line, which is crazy to think that if we're just going to look at a betting line and kind of change my prediction on that. But with, if, with I look at that line and then think why that could be, that is the reason why Vegas has those odds for the Ravens favored by four points over the Tennessee Titans, even though logically the Ravens shouldn't beat them on the road. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree with what you just said. Yes, sir, I mean, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I mean, 100%. Yeah, the, 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 the defensive stats over here are all going kind of things. I love it. Yeah, I mean, we have a great weekend in the NFL coming up. I could not be more excited. But I got one NBA topic today, which will switch gears to that, is the Brooklyn Nets. I have been a huge, huge, huge supporter of the Brooklyn Nets in terms of believing that my prediction before the season is they will start 8-7, and seven, everybody in the world will panic except me, and then they will hit, they will hit their stride later in the season. They will be a top 3-4 team in the Eastern Conference, and they, my biggest take on this, which is you could say is a hot take or a very, a very warm take, the Brooklyn Nets will make the finals in 15 games or less. I don't think they will. it will take them more than 15 games to get out of the Eastern Conference. And they can legitimately dethrone the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals. What are your thoughts on that? And Ke- not, not to mention, I also meant to add, Kevin Durant now has to have a seven-day quarantine because of some coronavirus protocols, which I don't know many details about that. But now they're struggling. I believe they they sit at three and four in the East. I don't even know if they have a playoff spot at the moment. I think the New York Knicks have a better record than them, which I don't think anyone could would would. I mean, it's going to be pretty surprised to. But what are your thoughts on that? Should the Nets hit the panic button? And they also lost Spencer Dinwiddie. With that high expectations, Kevin Durant, an MVP caliber player, has a great Robin Kyrie Irving, who's one of the best scorers, if not the best scorer in the league. Should the Brooklyn Nets hit the panic button? So I've always been really heavy into fantasy sports. Obviously, uh, I'm the senior fantasy analyst for belly up uh, sports and I do football predominantly this year was my first year to dive into basketball and baseball uh, at, a, at a deeper level. And so when I saw this team, I was really amazed and really blown away by them. But then you see all these injuries coming in, coming in, coming in. Uh, so I'm hitting the panic button. Uh, I know that Kyrie said he wasn't, and you said you're probably not hitting it. So maybe uh, you can help me out with this. Cause I'm hitting the panic button. A few things to that. Spencer Dinwiddie. Is that a big loss? Sure, it was. Last year, he gave you 20, 20 points a game with six assists. He's always He's been a big part of this Nets team, even when the D'Angelo Russell days. Spencer Dinwiddie has been a huge piece of this team. A lot of people came into the season saying that the Nets aren't going to have enough ball movement. There's too, ma- there's too many guys who dominate the basketball, who like to create their own shots, Spencer Dinwiddie being one of them. So then now he's down, and those same people are trying to say, oh, the Nets are done now because they lost Spencer Dinwiddie. I believe I don't believe in any of those takes. I believe Spencer Dinwiddie was more of a luxury than a necessity. Is it great to have him? Of course. He's another scoring option, a guy who could play make another true point guard, a backup point guard to Kyrie Irving. With that being said, some people said that it was not going to work. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's numbers and production was going to take a huge hit anyways, given that Kyrie is dominating the ball at the point guard position. And you have Kevin Durant, who in my eyes is the second best basketball player on planet Earth. Now, with that being said, we have seen too many times teams have slow starts, new teams who are really good, and then hit their stride. Excuse me. A wise man once said, and his name is Aaron Rodgers, he once said, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Everybody who is worried about the Brooklyn Nets needs to calm down and relax. 
We have seen this movie too many times and people who have followed the basketball for years and years, which I've been one of those myself, have seen too many narratives, too many storylines of great teams have slow starts and they hit their stride later in the season once they get their rhythm together, once they have chemistry, once their coach get used to dealing with the players, then they hit their stride. The Nets are not a new team, but they just they have two new stars, even though Kyrie Irving played 20 games, so this is basically... He's going to be his first, hopefully, healthy full season. Kevin Durant hasn't played basketball in 550 days before this season, coming with catastrophic injury. And Steve Nash is a first-year head coach. Is that going to be a problem down the road with him? I don't. I believe Steve Nash is still trying to figure out what lineups work for him, what lineups are actually going to be moving forward. There's a few things with their lineups I don't like. I don't like how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are always in the lineup together at the same time. They're trying to... Steve Nash has been having Durant and Irving play basically identical minutes, which I don't believe they should do that as well. I actually like what Frank Vogel, for the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, does a lot better with LeBron and Anthony Davis. At all 40 minutes of a game, every single game, LeBron and or AD is in the game. When LeBron's out of the game, AD stays in. When AD checks out, LeBron is back in. That's what I like about the Lakers rotation. There's other things about the uh, Lakers rotation which I've been critical about, but that's a topic for another day. I still believe Steve Nash is figuring it out, which he will figure it out, no problem. But a few, let's take you down memory lane of a few instances that this has been some a familiar situation. The 2010-2011 Big 3 Miami Heat. We all know them for the meltdown in the NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. They're up 2-1. LeBron has the meltdown. The Mavs win the NBA Finals. But that team started 8-7 and seven as well, and everyone hit the panic button. LeBron sat on the podium and said, Rome wasn't built in a day, which is factually correct. They then hit their stride. They coasted through the playoffs, in the Eastern Conference playoffs in 15 games. Then they had the meltdown, but it just goes to show you that eventually you will hit your stride, and you could still be successful with along a slow start. You can't really judge teams with a slow start that early in the season. A few, I actually have a few LeBron uh, instances you could bring up in this. In, 20, in 2015, when he, they created the big three when he went back to Cleveland with, Ky, with him, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. That team started 8-7. and seven. Once they hit their stride, they coasted through the Eastern Conference playoffs. They didn't win the championship because of injuries to Kyrie Irving, and you could even say Kevin Love. And then again, another LeBron team in 2018 you could look at. People look at that team as a disastrous organ, like the, one of the worst teams that's ever made the finals in NBA history. That LeBron basically just carried carried them more than any player has in NBA history, and they made the finals that year by basically the skin of their teeth. But there was a stretch in that season where it was on national television. Will Kane, Max Kellerman, other guys in the media have said the Cavs should trade LeBron James. The Cavs people were literally questioning. It was on social media, on Instagram, on ESPN, and other of these accounts. Will the Cavs even make the playoffs? That's how bad it looked at one point. In the month of January, LeBron had his worst box score plus minus of his entire career. People, bribe people a lot to forget that, but I'm a guy who does not forget things. And once they hit the playoffs, LeBron did his thing. They made the finals. Is it the same situation? Is Kevin Durant the same player as LeBron? No, of course not. I think there's just some similarities, and there's too much talent on this Brooklyn Nets team and how great they are as a whole, why I believe that they will eventually make make the NBA Finals and give the Lakers a real push. I just think Rome was not Rome was not built in a day. It takes time to really get that chemistry, jealous teammates, your coach knowing how to uh, deal with superstars, uh, create the rotation that works best for your team. That's all going to take time, and in a 72-game a season, you have plenty of time to do so. So no, the Brooklyn Nets should absolutely not panic. 
They are just fine. And once again, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. With that being said, I have one more topic, which we were, were supposed to be getting a guest in about five to ten minutes, but we'll talk about it until he joins. So the New York Giants won against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday and finished the season 6-10. and 10. They had an opportunity to be the had the worst record in NFL history to win a division, therefore make the playoffs and not only make the playoffs, have a home playoff game. But they had to deal, they had to actually take the burden and take the pain and root for the Philadelphia Eagles, probably the only time in any Giants fan's life. I'm a Jets fan, so this does not apply to me. But the Giants and their fans had to root for the Philadelphia Eagles, as they would call them, to beat the Washington Redskins to win the division. As things were looking good for the Eagles, Doug Peterson decided to bench Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter. And some may say that is the reason why the Eagles lost and the reason why the Giants are not hosting a playoff game at MetLife Stadium next week. What are your thoughts on Doug Peterson doing that? Was that a shot at the Giants? Do you think that was intentional? It certainly shouldn't be saving Jalen Hurts from injury. Do you think that there's just such a big rivalry between the Eagles and the Giants, which may be why Doug Peterson benched Jalen Hurts to basically throw the game away? Or was it, do you think, because it's going to help your draft stock a little bit? I don't know if that really hurt their draft stock or not. I, I don't follow it that closely. But do you think any of those reasons could be true? What are your thoughts on that? This whole situation is wild. So, yes, he definitely pulled the New York Giants by pulling because no football player in the football wants that to happen. You saw it on the front of Jalen Hurts. Now it's not right. He wanted to pull them. They do improve their draft stock from if they would have won that game, they would have got the ninth overall pick, roughly. If they when they lost, they improved to the sixth overall pick. So, I mean, it's business mentality as well from him. I, I don't knock Peterson for doing it because, one, for for all the Giants fans out there, you can hear it all over social media, but also for me right now, guys, come on. You can't cheer for the Eagles to beat another team to get you into the playoffs when you, should, when you had the chance to win. You guys won, what, six games all season long? Come on. Like, it happens – just this NFC East division, just they need to revamp all the way through uh, Alex Smith. Let's go come back player of the year. But you know, it, it, it was just, it's just funny. It, it's 2020 in a football game right here is what we watched. A few things. Do I feel bad for the giants? Absolutely not. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan. So that's all you need <laughs> to know. If I'm a Jets fan, there is nothing that could ever make me feel bad for the New York giants. That's number one. Number two, when you're 6-10, and 10, you do not deserve a playoff spot. The Washington does not deserve a playoff spot. The Cowboys didn't deserve a playoff spot. The Eagles don't deserve a playoff spot. Neither do the Dallas Cowboys. That defense is a joke. And certainly none of those teams deserve to host a playoff game, even though, the, even though Washington will be awarded that. With that being said, I still understand the frustration a little bit. Not really. I'm going to take that back. I don't. But I don't like what Doug Peterson did. I feel like every team... Is more every in each division. You could say this in baseball as well. Some, even though every team in your division is considered a division rival, I think there's still more tension with some teams than other teams. I believe the Giants and the Eagles have a bigger rivalry than the Eagles and the Redskins do. 
I, I feel like the Cow the Cowboys and the Giants also have a bigger rivalry than like the Redskins. The Redskins are always that more of that bottom dwelling team in that division. But over over the years, not saying this year, of course, but over the years, I could say Washington doesn't have the strongest rivalry. Like like Phil Phil just Philadelphia and New York to begin with. Philadelphia is a huge rivalry. I always believe that in the AFC East, the Jets and the Patriots were bigger rivals than maybe the Bills and the Dolphins are. Or, some, or something like that. You can look at a bunch of divisions. Like in the, the NFC North is another prime example. The Packers' main di, main rival is not the Lions or the Vikings. It's the Bears. It's a longer rivalry. So that's why I believe that this is a bigger rivalry. Which, yes, this was certainly intentional not to get the Giants in the playoffs. This is a really petty moment as G the Giants and Giants fans to root for the Eagles. Because they know in their heart of hearts you never want to see the Eagles win. I don't like this because Jalen Hurts is... Again, a rookie quarterback. He looks like he's going to be the answer. You cannot make the excuse that it's going to be uh, for your draft stock. Why I don't think it's – the only time you need to worry about your draft stock is if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Jets who are the dysfunctional franchise, have nothing going for you, and you have a generational talent to get at the quarterback position. With that being said, those are teams that should literally try to lose on purpose, bench your starting quarterback to try to tank and get that guy because that will actually help your team down the road. But a team like the Eagles, who they struggled, especially with Carson Wentz at quarterback. But once they found Jalen Hurts, that looks like that could be the real answer for that team and how they could be successful moving forward. If they're really going to say that they that they tried to lose on purpose because they want to move up a couple spots in the draft, that's not going to change your team that much, drafting a guy a few spots early, at least in my opinion, because... What is that really going to do a few spots? You're getting some other skilled position player, whether it's a, uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, running back, receiver, running uh, DB, whatever the case may be. So I don't think the defense is really – or excuse me, the draft stock is why they did this. I believe this was a straight shot in the face at the New York Giants. Part of me doesn't blame them. Other part of me says this was this is soft and this is weak. Joe Judge, Joe Judge threw a lot – of shade of shade at them for for doing that. I don't think that was a real professional move sports wise, but that's why I don't really like this move to begin with. It's the whole like give us all all shade from George Bush. You're talking about the war in the Middle East. I'm trying to get that oil. That's what this was. People say the draft talking about it. Kind of hang your hat on it. Well, we got one special guest who is really heated about this topic, who I will add in now, Declan. Declan, man, thanks for coming on a, a, a little late to the party, but we saved that topic that you got a little fire under your skin about. Talk to me. The floor is yours. So here's the deal. Pretty much, uh, I thought I was I was disgusted by what went on on uh, Sunday night. To say the least, listen, it's nothing to do with me being a Giants fan. Overall, I just think it's pretty pathetic what the Eagles did to the game. I think it's disrespectful. We saw credible NFL people such as Rich Eisen, uh, South Palantonio, uh, Chris Mortensen. And then now we're even hearing a report that Eagles players in the locker room went after Doug Peterson. We all saw Jalen Hurts on the sidelines and this ain't right. I did my part. We moved the ball downfield. We could have scored. We should have won whatever he was saying on the sideline. Uh, it was, you know, lip reading, uh, whatever. But that this ain't right was key. Uh, Doug Peterson, what he did to the game last night was unprecedented uh, and unacceptable. Or excuse me, Sunday night. <clears throat> the last uh, the last day, it just felt like a, it, it felt like it happened last night because I'm still so heated about it. But uh, it's just unbelievable. There's no reason why you take Jalen Hurts out of the game. It was a three point game in the fourth quarter. It should have been either a tie or 
I mean, let's be real. Hertz did have that guy open in the end zone, uh, which should have gave them the lead. So what I'm interested to think about is a couple things. First of all, I got three quick, quick pointers. First of all, if they get that touchdown, when does Nate Sudfeld, Sudfeld come into the game? Because he comes in, into the game with a four-point lead and they blow that game. You imagine the outrage. Second, uh, first of all. Second, could you imagine how much bitching Jerry Jones would be doing right now if this screwed the Cowboys out of a playoff spot? Are you kidding? He would call up Roger Goodell. He would offer an $8 million payoff to, to suspend Doug Peterson to get the Cowboys into the playoffs because we all know he's corrupt and he's a terrible front office man and our front office general manager. And that's kind of why they haven't won in 30 years. But that's besides the point. Could you imagine, first of all, if that was the case? Second of all, it takes away from Washington. It takes away from Alex Smith. It takes away from Ron Rivera. The head coach of the team is battling cancer, beating it. You know, God willing, he's in remission. He's battling cancer. The, the quarterback almost died because of a leg injury and an infection that spread that it could have potentially been fatal. So, yeah, all right, they're 7-9. We're not going to act like they're world beaters. Alex Smith, unfortunately, not that he's a liability, but he's very compromised under center and in the gun. We saw many opportunities for the Eagles to get back into the game. To put in Nate Sudfeld, like, listen, I'm not going to take any shots at Nate Sudfeld because I don't think this is his fault at all. Why would you put him out there? It makes no sense. He's only His, his only experience is four years as the Eagles' backup. And the most experience he's gotten that really trumps what he's about is he took a knee in the NFC Championship game when they were up 38-7. to That's what he's done. That's just about what he's done. So we're going to put him in a game, a three-point game with playoff implications. It's one thing if you said on Tuesday, all right, let's start Nate Sudfeld, and everyone knows you're tanking, but you want to just start Nate Sudfeld to protect Jalen Hurts? Fine. Don't do it in a three-point game where you essentially sabotage your your team. It's a disrespect to the players of both teams, not just the Eagles, but of Washington, because it takes away from what they did uh, in their improbable season. It's disrespectful to both teams. It's disrespectful to the families. I think Joe Judge, listen, I'm a big fan of Joe Judge. I, I've been critical of the Giants' past two coaches. Ben McAdoo was a joke. That's why he finally just got a job as quarterback's coach in Jacksonville, and now we, we know he'll probably be gone. Uh, and Pat Shermer, who was a horrible, good coordinator, horrible head coach. Now the Giants have clearly brought in the right guy. And what he said is so true and paramount. Many players opted into the season. Not even just the players, the players' families. They weren't allowed to spend Christmas with their families, with, with gatherings. They weren't allowed to spend any holidays, Thanksgiving, birthdays, nothing. They were pinned to the gridiron this year. And to go out there and disrespect the game and disrespect the players on the field, I, 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 if I'm a player on that team, I'm going after him. I 100%. It's so stupid and it's such a loser move and it's ridiculously soft and now you got me fired up and i just walked in the door five minutes in a team <laughs> thank you for all that but one thing that actually just rang a bell to me is if this happened to the dallas cowboys the cowboys get way too much media attention to begin with them which is why on my platform i try to ignore the cowboys to begin with because they get way more media coverage and way more attention than they deserve because just because they're regarded as america's team when you stink you don't deserve that much media coverage with that being said do you think that there this would be more of a headline or more of a big deal if this did happen to the cowboys versus it happening to the giants or do you think the eagles really did this to the giants because Philadelphia and New York has a bigger bigger rivalry than a Texas versus New York does. Do you think that plays into a part of anything like that? First of all, they're doing it for the from the standpoint of tanking to go from nine to six. But there's a way to tank that doesn't put your players in jeopardy and sabotage your players. Everyone knew that offensive line was injured. 
They couldn't stop Chase Young. They couldn't stop anybody from the Washington front four. Not even that. Like, what? That's a good front four. That's what probably got them in the playoffs is their defense and their front four, even their front seven. Um, but this idea that they tried to snub the Giants, like, I, I don't see it. And from a as a Giants fan right now, am I mad that my team's not in the playoffs? No, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm sad. Yeah, sure, whatever. The team won six games. They weren't exactly world beaters. I mean, six games got Tom Coughlin fired. And could you imagine if Tom Coughlin did something like this? Oh, my God. When the Pats were 15-0 and 0 and the Giants had a playoff spot clinched up, uh, both teams did. did. They played, they played 100%, 100% to the max to the, max, to the point to the where point John, John Madden, Madden called, called Tom Coughlin crying and said, and this, said is this is so great, so for, great the for the NFL. The Pats won in a, in a shootout that game. I believe it was 30-35 at Giants yep, Stadium yep. That, that year. When so much, so much, so much for, the for the defense that carried, that carried Eli. Eli. But go ahead. But go ahead. Right, well, that, there's some truth to that and some truth to that. But that, that, I guess that's a different topic. But the thing with that is the Patriots were going for the record of 16-0. You don't want to go 15-0 entering Week 17 and then blow it. Yeah, sure, it was a meaningless game. But especially Be- Belichick and Brady just have that thing in their heart, which is just you, it's just you're built with it that competitive nature in you, which is probably why the Patriots were, which the Patriots why we're going for that record. But I feel like that was a just straight shot in the face at the Giants. I don't think that they would necessarily do that with the Cowboys because Jalen Hurts, like the more experience he gets, it's better for your franchise. I think the so Doug, stupid. I think Doug Peterson's way out of this or a scapegoat rather, which I won't buy for a second is protect Jalen Hurts, which I don't believe for one second. And the other thing I won't believe for one second is if you lose this game, it helps your draft stock, which I'm not sure if that game if that game affected their draft stock or not. Maybe it does. It, does. it, it, it saves them, save them from nine, nine to six. six. That's oh, okay. So like, if you want to play that, if you want to play that card, maybe you could look at it that way. But I wouldn't necessarily believe that is a realistic thing you could say. Because they're obviously not going quarterback. Jalen Hurts looks like he's their answer. I since Jalen Hurts freshman year in college, I always always be like, this guy's game is never built for the NFL. He's so good. So he got he got he got pulled in that national championship against Georgia, and then Tua saved the day for them. They were down, I believe they were down thirteen nothing. Tua came in and saved the day for them. I said that's probably where Jalen Hurts' career went downhill. But again, he had that monster year in Oklahoma, his last year before getting drafted to the NFL. A second round quarterback, which if you look at history. The only quarterbacks who've really had a, a, a really successful career is Drew Brees and Brett Favre, if I remember correctly. I don't know if I'm missing anybody else, but they look like they. Second round, second round, fine. fine quarterback. Quarterback. I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't recall any other second round quarterbacks who are anything great besides Drew Brees and Brett Favre. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing a key name, but those are the two I can think off the top of my head. But going six to nine, how is that really going to change your team moving forward? The, the teams that need to like get your draft stock higher is teams that need a quarterback. When you're fighting for a quarterback, then like lose every game like the Jets, who obviously failed to do that. The Jaguars are another team who really need to lose to get that quarterback. The Eagles are obviously not going a quarterback. So is the draft stock or to protect him, is that a real excuse or is that probably their scapegoat? I mean, I, mean, I don't think I don't they're, think trying, they're to trying to protect him, to be honest. I think, I think they're with their... Their... They're just trying to lose the game for their draft stock. And they succeeded. But you know what? Don't mess with the football gods. Because if I'm that sixth pick, I don't want to go to the Eagles now. Because I'm cursed. That's how I see it. And you know what? With the way Howie drafts anyway, he's probably cursed regardless. Because it's the same guy who took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. And Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Who just had one of the best seasons from a rookie receiver standpoint. Best since Odell. Um, so I don't think it's anything about protecting Jalen Hurts. No way. Um, they wanted to lose the game. We all saw it. 
there's a fashion, you know, there's an old saying, organizations, Hank. Coaches and, and players, if you wear a jersey or a headset, you're giving it your all. You are playing 60 minutes, punching your other team in the mouth of football. That's how, that's how you're playing, and you're playing to win. You don't sabotage your team. First of all, the kid Nate Sudfeld could have got killed because he's immobile and he's going against, he's playing behind a line where I, I think everyone besides maybe one or two guys were backers. No disrespect to the line, but we know they couldn't block anything. So that was a recipe for disaster. I mean, he might have had two seconds to throw, and when he did, it was horrible. Even when he had time, he botched his snap. Like, like they would, Alex Smith did not look good. I said it on the sports hit list. I said he was going to look rusty. I said, you guys don't understand what a foot injury is and what an injury that almost killed him is coming back when he's going, you're off it for two weeks, and you got to get back. It's like a 45-year-old man when you're playing, or besides my father and Tom Brady, a 55-year-old man, let's go with that. When you're playing snow football with them, and then they can't walk for three days. And then you expect them to go out a couple weeks later. It takes time. You're getting off of an injury that it took you so long to get back up and running on. And then he looked horrible. And I'm not going to – he's compromised. And I'm not going to knock him for looking bad. It's, it's, it's what he's working with. I think he's being he's awesome. Been awesome. He's come he's back come play back the decade. decade. Sure, sure. Like, I'm so happy for Alex Smith to have – this this comeback obviously he's gonna win the comeback player of the year. He deserves this more than anyone, like you said. An injury that literally almost killed him. He said ESPN posted today on Instagram how all the quotes that Alex Smith said, how he doesn't know if he's gonna make it, if he doesn't know he's ever gonna be able to walk again, live his life normally, and look at him leading the leading his football team to the playoffs. It's an unbelievable comeback story. And again, I don't feel bad for any Giants fan, so don't ever, don't ask. That's why I'm not not from a Giants standpoint. standpoint. Yeah, I I definitely don't have any sympathy. I don't like what the Eagles did for just the game of football. I'm never a believer in tanking because it's just not fair to other teams who need teams to lose. Or even it takes takes credibility away for teams that actually won who got that playoff spot. Like another example, I'm a Jets fan. So in 2009, when the Colts were 14-0, they decided to pull Peyton Manning in the second half, and that's where the Jets really absolutely beat up on the Colts, and that got them into the playoffs where they made the AFC Championship game where ultimately Peyton Manning did his thing and beat the Jets. Jets, will never forget, Jets are up 17-6 in that game. As a nine-year-old, like, pinching myself, like, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. And then Peyton Manning drives <laughs> down the field. Peyton Manning drives down the field in 50 seconds, and the Jets were up 17-13 and a half, and I said, oh, that's game. They lost. But with, with, that, with that being said, any final thoughts to wrap up today's show? Chris? Uh, man, uh, this has been, been super fun. fun. I like the production, production put on. I hope I can do that. Uh, man, man. football's on the server. Basketball's getting, getting uh, heating up. Yeah, like, yeah, like this time of year. Declan, I know you're not too happy today, but any final thoughts, even though you made a little late appearance? Uh, I think uh, you I heard think everything. You heard everything. I'm saying more. I think so too. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you check out my sports podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube if you want to see any more any more of my content. But again, thank you both for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk sports with you guys. You got, you got I need a shirt. You got it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.